but ultimately we're pretty disordered as a culture in the way that we care for our bodies through exercise. Can you can you give me a couple of examples of what that would look like for somebody who's listening? Like, what do you mean it's, it's disorderly? What am I doing wrong? Like, Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and like I said, there's a dark and a light side, and I'm tending to drift towards a little bit of the darkness here. Yeah, but, but we need um, to hear nobody, this because we know yes. we're, all, we're all nut jobs out here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and now, here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. Oh, yes, I'm back again. Hey, everybody. It's so good to be here with you today on Podcasting Your Global Career, and we're heading to the great northwest of Canada today. Oh, how I love my Canadian friends. So um, before we get to that, I just want to ask you guys, please comp- continue. I got so excited there. I continue to support this show by subscribing, uh, reviewing it, and uh, sharing the show. You know, it's, it's a really easy thing to do. You just hit the button, share, if you're digging what's going on with this show. And you guys are really got us on fire these days uh, with the growth. It's really taken off like crazy. And I'm so thrilled to have your support. Leave me a comment. Send me a note. Tell me what you like, what you don't like. As most of you know, my music fans out there, we have not abandoned you. Check out 364, which just got put up the other day with Roseanne Baker Thornley with her smash hit, Sorry I'm Late. But today, we are we, we just have this great guest. I just love this lady. She's amazing. She's a mental performance coach with 17 years of experience supporting her clients to flourish through fitness. Oh, yeah. Dial it in, baby. She's got a fascination with physiology and anatomy that led her to complete a degree in kinesiology and her certification in Pilates to educate and coach others on the power of movement. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. You better strap up your seatbelts because we're taking a ride from the Music City to Saskatoon, Canada to visit with Olivia Chadwick. So my guest today is Olivia Chadwick. So Olivia, welcome to Podcasting Your Global Career. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. And where does that gorgeous accent hail from? I've been trying to figure it out. It's a real mix, isn't it? I was born and raised in the United Kingdom, but my mother is Australian, so I often get a real mix. Um, but I've lived in Canada since I was 17 years old. so That's why. Because I heard <laughs> the Brit in there and I said, there's something else going on. I can't put my finger on it. So thanks for In my heart, I'm a Brit, but I don't necessarily <laughs> sound fully that way. Yeah. So, so Olivia and I met um, through this high-level elite coaching, and uh, you know, it was such an honor to meet you and to kind of get uh, a handle on the brand that you've built and what you're bringing to the world. So let's talk about um, your journey into uh, fitness, and I love the fact that you fly the don't-do-the-diet flag because I'm of that camp for sure. Diets don't work. They never have. They never will. And I, I heard you you kind of, you know, professing that. And I was so happy to hear that. So tell us, let's start with that, with um, what people eat 
and what you do to help counsel women on how to put this together in the right way. Mm. Thanks, James. Yeah. So it was a long winding journey to get to where I am right now. But what I offer women is an alternative to engage in lifestyle practices like nutrition, like exercise, but from an anti-diet approach, an alternative language we might use as a weight inclusive approach. So what I find in my practice is that so often people are coming to me to engage in specifically exercise because that's my primary area of expertise as an exercise physiologist. Although I now add to the a layer of that as a mental performance coach and contemplative practice, um, counsel and contemplative practice, because I recognize that so often we engage in these practices to try and soothe ourselves in some way, to try and maybe alter identity in some way, to feel differently about ourselves internally. And a lot of our culture tells us that we can engage in these practices as a way to access that, feeling better about ourselves, improving our sense of our own value, improving our sense of our worth. And of course, those practices can do none of those things. There is a lot of internal work that needs to happen. But we've been socialized to believe these things and that we need to be pursuing both exercise and diet as a way to um, attain some level of personal development. So we, my work is working with women to try and figure out what is their true authentic journey in that way, how can they improve their value and worth through self-acceptance of both themselves and their body, and then allow for the work of exercise or eating well to be a practice of self-care rather than some sort of external attainment. So what do you think the problem is, Olivia? Do you think it's it's mostly, mostly um, society and women are put under this enormous pressure? Because I know the young ladies are really stretched to the limits with that. I mean, it's like there's there's so much pressure to be, you know, with the Instagram posts and all of this social pressure. Um, do you think that is creating such a wedge between what the reality is and what the fantasy is? I think that socialization is a significant factor. Um, you know, we know that in our youth, eating disorders are on the rise, particularly yes in girls but also actually the rise is greater in boys so we know that the pressure of the physical aesthetic and how we present ourselves socially is um changing in ways that are potentially more harmful and unhealthy for a lot of our youth um so yes socialization but i also think that we're socialized to believe that a lot of these mechanisms um like diet and exercise can help overcome a bit of our nature towards feeling like we're never good enough. Um, a great meditation teacher called Tara Brat calls this the trance of unworthiness. And this is essentially um, twofold. One is yes, growing up in cultures that tell us that we're not doing well, that we need to improve, we need to do better than we are, we're not inherently worthy, but also we're born with a, a natural sense of our own um, inherent unworthiness as well. So it's a bit of two camps that I exist in, in terms of understanding what what problem is we're trying to solve through changing our bodies. So what happened to you that put you on this journey? Was it something in, in your youth? Um, did, did anything specific happen to you, like a certain situation in life that, uh, that kind of inspired you to do this? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Of course. Right. Um, this is a very heart centered work for me because I suffered so much as a young person. Um, certainly there was uh, abuse and trauma that um, caused ultimately a mental illness and an eating disorder, which I suffered with for many years, not necessarily clinically. So one of the things we need to understand about eating disorder and actually bodies in general is that the size and shape of the body tells us absolutely nothing about what is going internally with a human being. So although sometimes it can manifest clinically in a way that we can clearly see that somebody is suffering from some sort of body dysmorphia. In my experience, working with so many people, regardless of whether or not we have a clinical status, we have so much disorder in the way that we care for our bodies. And that ended up being my reality for many years. Even though I was maybe no longer clinically unwell, I still felt very unsafe in my body. I still was quite disordered in the way that I ate, even though maybe I wasn't particularly underweight and the way ultimately I moved my body. However, movement for me always had this kind of dark and light side and that it always helped me to feel well. It was time with myself. It did help me cope in many, many ways. Although in some ways I used it as a form of um, self-harm at times as well. Can I ask you, Is it, were you, yeah, when you ahead. say self-harm, were you, um, was, was that like eating more food than you need or was it cutting food off or, or like what was the self-harm that you were doing to yourself? Uh, for me, it was always restriction, restriction. And okay. that um, sometimes when I say self-harm, when it comes to exercise, I would say uh, self-harm in the sense that regardless of how tired I was or regardless of, um, uh, you know, if I had aches and pains in my body, I always followed through on my training plan, on the rigor of um, the pursuit of the goal, um, completely detached from what was going on either emotionally or psychologically for me. It was my way of coping at that time. And it was a good resource for coping for me at that time when I had no other resources, you know, when I didn't have access to therapy, when I didn't have access to family, even, you know, as a a girl in her twenties living in a completely different country. That ultimately led me down the pathway of engaging in kinesiology as a education And because I thought that if I became really knowledgeable in this area, that I could offer the great um, capacities and benefits that exercise has to offer people. And yet when I came out with my degree and I went out into the world, I realized what I had originally thought as pathology in my own way of operating with exercise was actually a disordered way of exercise that everybody has in some way, shape or form in different ways and in different levels But ultimately, we're pretty disordered as a culture in the way that we care for our bodies through exercise. Can you can you give me a couple of examples of what that would look like for somebody who's listening? Like, what do you mean it's it's disorderly? What am I doing wrong? Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and like I said, there's a dark and a light side and I'm tending to drift towards a little bit of the darkness here. Yeah, But but we need Um, to hear this because we know we're all we're all nut jobs out here, you know? Yeah. And you know, I still move on a regular basis and I still care for myself through exercise. It just is always from a place of discernment. 
Right. And so that's what I try and help people tap into. What part of this is you trying to change the size and shape of your body? Because being in your body is quite uncomfortable for you. And you've absorbed the narrative that somehow your body is an unacceptable. And how can we use exercise from a place to self-care? Because it has that capacity to offer you, but we don't always have a metric to measure it. The only metric we've been taught is weight loss. The only metric we've been taught is leanness or looking like a fit person. How do we find other ways of relating to our bodies through exercise and other ways that is about is about being appreciative, being grateful for the bodies that we have, having great function to do and live the lives that we desire for ourselves um, without limitation, with confidence, um, having access to that sort of freedom and liberation. So you teach people um, not only the physical part, but there's a lot of uh, mental structure that has to happen here as well. Is that correct? You know, for many, many years, I've done primarily the physical part. I thought that if I simply didn't collude with the mainstream narratives and I somehow supported people in some sort of alternative narrative, at least in the ways that we physically operated, that um, I was serving people well. But in more recent years, I've realized that people need so much more support than this. They really need a community of safety and a pedagogy of care and structure that does deal with the psychological aspects, does give them practices, which I feel the best practices to offer are contemplative practices and mindset-based practices that do the work on a daily basis of journeying with yourself to figure out what is right for you. What is your true authentic voice inside and what are the things that you want to let go of because they're no longer serving you? It takes time. And therefore, my current work is more using uh, coaching through digital media and through um, meeting as groups to journey through that process. So who is your best client, do you think? Is it men? Is it women? Does it matter? It's, it's women specifically, right? You know, I personally cater more towards women because the reality is when it comes to bodies, women have been harmed in more ways than men. And therefore, women do tend to find this work to be very compelling and very accessible. Um, um, in their own psyches. They they can fully understand the, the stories that they've been told. My experience um, is that, my experience is that I don't really know how men access this work. I haven't, I haven't learned that yet. I haven't spent enough time with men to understand that. I feel like I naturally, as a person who identifies as female, understand the female um, journey and therefore can support that through my understanding, I don't think I understand the male journey as well. So I don't offer it to men or I don't feel as comfortable offering it to men as for sure. Okay, then I'm not going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, James. Now, I want to ask you a question about, and we see this all the time going on. Um, you look at people, you know, I, I'm very observant of people and places and, and watch human behavior just as a whatever, as a science project. And you, you see people like, whether it's at Walmart or a food store, and you look at what they're putting in their shopping cart and you look at their bodies and there's a match there, you know, usually it's like, and I, I just wonder about the self-awareness factor of, I think people are just either so addicted to salt and sugar that it's, it's almost beyond hope, um, or they're just not aware and they're just blindly following what the advertisements are telling them to do, to buy big bags of potato chips and, you know, quarts of soda and everything. And 
with your work, how do you, is that someone who would never be able to be a client because they're so far removed from what is actually going on in the world? Yeah, I can only speak from my experience. So obviously, there's many different people out in the world who have different ways of, of living and different ways of operating. James, I'm so sorry. Are we, you able to splice this audio? My dog apparently is having a stomach issue. She really needs to go outside. Oh, yeah. Bring her out. She's yeah. I wish I, so I wish we sorry. could follow out with the camera. That would be great. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's okay. While we are on our Nina break, just a short little promotion. If you are a single woman looking for a relationship with a man and or the Lord, I can help you with that. Just hit up my Calendly link. It's in the show notes. It's calendly.com forward slash dharmic. Now, let's get back to the interview with Olivia Chadwick. What's your dog's name? Her name's Nina. So we had a Nina break there, folks. Everybody, you know, you have to have a Nina break, whether you need it or not, you know, but Nina needed it. So, you know, of course, it never normally happens, but today it's happened. That's okay. That's okay. This is all part of life. I like it. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think what you're doing is so special and it's so necessary um, because you've identified like a big problem with people like not understanding that. They need to feel comfortable in their own skin and feel like, like you said about the pressure of working out, like, oh my God, I'm exhausted, but I'm going to go run anyway. I did this yesterday, by the way. My fiance mm. wanted to go running and I was so tired. I, was, I hardly got any sleep with changing the clocks and I was up late reading and we were buying food. And we we're running around all day, but she's a marathon runner. So look, I'm running with a marathon runner. Are you kidding? So <laughs> I went anyway and I pushed myself. But by the end of the, the night, I was just, I was toast. I was just exhausted, you know? Yeah. But we do yeah. that. You know, we, we, I mean, this was something I wanted to do it for her, but, but there are times where I will, you know, whatever, go to the gym or the hot yoga or whatever and push myself on the bike or something and saying, you know, I'm getting to the point now where I'm saying, no, no, I'm listening to my body say, I'm really tired and I need to just lay down and take a nap or just take a day off and do something else. Mm -hmm. So how do you counsel people to get to that space in their mind where they say, I got to listen to what my body is telling me to do? How do you get them to listen? Mm. Yeah, I'm going to ask that question. Then I'd love to circle back to your previous question because I really do want to answer it because I do think it will be enlightening because I think your experience is lots of people's experience. But I'll answer the question you said right now. Um, my my hope is that I can help people find ways to care for themselves in a more holistic way. So we're used to care. We've been trained more to care for our bodies. And we don't spend as much time caring for our minds and caring for our emotions. And therefore, we don't necessarily have great emotional literacy. If we ask ourselves a question, what do I need right now when we're feeling uncomfortable? We might not know how to answer it at first. But uh, with time and repetition, we can start to feel into that question a bit more and say, if I went for a run right now, why do I feel like I need to do that? Is it because I need that sense of productivity? Is it because I need it as a source of coping and I feel like I have no alternative ways of coping in this moment, um, whether that be to deal with anxiety or to deal with low mood, a depressed mood? 
you know, unfortunately, or fortunately, exercise is such a healthy behavior, it's always construed as a healthy option. But if it is the only option that sometimes we have to turn to, or only one of two options that we have to turn to, we have to question, are we really pursuing health? Right. In our culture, why don't we think, we know, we know statistically that um, the most important thing that you can do for your health is social connection. And yet, do we turn to social connection when we're feeling not our best? We know that the greatest correlation to chronic disease is actually trauma. And yet, how do we attend to our trauma? If we're really interested in health, why isn't that the number one thing that we do to take care of ourselves? really um, learn about what trauma is, have a good understanding of it, and know what areas in our life where we may have, um, you know, interfaced with trauma and what still exists in our bodies today. Why wouldn't that be the number one thing that we do on a regular basis? These are important questions for us when we're looking at healthy behavior. So social connection, what is the healthiest social connection? Is it a phone call? Is it physical proximity? with one another? Is it writing letters, emails? What would you consider like the best social connection? Mm. Well, I mean, in re- what, I mean, from a point of wiring, why it's so important is because we're wired most predominantly for a sense of security, safety, and belonging. Mm-hmm. So connection is about safety and it's about belonging. So really, I would see it more predominantly as cultivating relationships where we can be authentically ourselves, where we feel seen and heard, and we have the ability to see and hear other people. The ability to offer empathy and receive empathy is a reciprocal skill. You have to be able to do both. And we can only truly offer empathy when we can stand in somebody else's shoes and really be present to their experience. And we can only be truly present to other people's experiences when we've attended to our own experiences. So I would say the ability for social connection is fully knowing yourself, fully being in relationship with yourself so that when you show up, you show up as authentically as you, as you can have the ability to vulnerably be. You have safety with other people to be that person and you are able to then fully show up for them and their experience. So I picked none of your options, James. (laughs) <laughs> That's okay. How about this? Give us one tip, one little nugget for how does one get to know oneself? My one tip would be spaciousness. Okay. When My you... one tip would be being able to find outlets to spend time with yourself that feel nourishing for you. So how for do some... you do yeah. how do you uh mitigate the problem of um People that do that feel um, this pressure of, I got to get noise going. I got to get the TV on. I got to get the radio going. I got I, I got to make a phone call. It's mm-hmm. it's it's almost a fear. Like pe- most people are fearful of being alone until until you cross that enormous chasm of you get to the other side and go, this is just great. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I've done the real isolation on an island by myself with nobody, didn't speak to anybody for a whole weekend. And it's fabulous. It's just, you know, once you can do that. Um, but most people are really terrified of being of what you just described. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that you're probably right. Yeah. So how do we get them to... Um, 
to understand that it is safe and actually healthy to go into a quiet space? It's mm, such a great question. Oh, I feel like I don't even know the answer other than that life finds a way to bring us to those moments. I think there's alchemy to that uh, awareness that somebody needs spaciousness. Um, I feel that nature lovers have more of an advantage because that's my space for prayer, mm -hmm. for songwriting, for contemplative thought. When I'm in the woods by myself, I feel God in such a strong way because it's like, it's so easy. It's, I'm around all creation. It's beautiful. And, and you can quiet and still those, those crazy voices that are trying to distract you, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I want to ask you, Olivia, about your, um, your physical prowess. You look like you're in fine shape. So are you a, are you a runner, a marathoner? Are you a, are you, or do you do yoga? Like what do you do for your self-care, your physical fitness? Mm, thanks. Um, I would, these days I would call myself an equestrian. That was oh, maybe awesome. my primary passion. Cause I think of this more as like, what do I enjoy the most? Where do I get the most pleasure and passion? And that's through equestrian sports. Um, that doesn't mean that I don't have a fitness practice. I do have a fitness practice. Um, and it's evolving all the time, James. Like I used to be a competitive runner. Being okay. out in nature is definitely my medicine. I still um, run some because I do feel wonderful when I get to run. I also um, strength train a lot. You know, I I, I uh, broke my arm and my leg in two places a couple of years ago. Your arm and lot, your leg, did you say? My arm and my leg in two places, falling off a horse, of course. <gasps> it's a very dangerous sport. <laughs> oh, my goodness. A horse is a and horse, this, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, terrible. And my saving grace, it was a great lesson to me. My saving grace was that I was really strong. And um, I could walk around or hop around on one leg with only a single crutch as my other support because I only had one arm for several weeks because I needed surgery and so on and so forth. And so that was a great lesson to me in why I strength train. I started strength training more after I had my last daughter because it really didn't feel that comfortable for me to run. I always need to move for my mental health. I know that it makes me feel my most well yeah. in my mind and in my body, for sure, intimately connected. Um, but I didn't feel great running and I really tried to honor that and um, do something else. And I felt like after having my daughter that I just didn't feel like put together like my pelvis and my pelvic floor. So I started to do more strength training and uh, about a year into that or so was when I fell off the horse. And because I had done that strength training, I was really able to continue to do my job as a mother and my job as a, in the physical aspect as well, um, because I was strong enough to do it, which was a great affirmation that, you know, the body will go through injuries and there will be harm. But if I can stay strong, then um, I can work with my body to continue forward in life. So wow. I do lots of things. You <laughs> are so. truly Wonder Woman. Unbelievable. <laughs> so so as as we're getting close to the end here, I wanna I wanna let like leave people with something about um tell them to these ladies who uh, how they would benefit from your program and what the program would entail uh, for them to get a new lease on their physical fitness and their life and all of the things that you would bring to their attention. Mm, thanks. Um, so most of the women that I work with 
um, have been through many decades of their life cycling through diets, trying new exercise programs, feeling like they've never quite figured out how to do enough, often feeling like they're chasing some version of themselves that existed at some period of time in the past, and they can't quite capture what they did in that moment to get that outcome. And they're always pursuing it, um, often feeling bad when they repeatedly want to step on the scale and wanting a different way of approaching how they care for their body. But the way forward is very, very unclear. I think these days people are aware of the body positivity movement, movement of um, self-acceptance, but not really knowing how that segues and how people relate to their own bodies. When people think of body and self-acceptance, I think they somehow think that then they won't be having good nutrition, that they won't be exercising. I think that when you want to care for yourself, you want to do those things, but the intention is different. And um, how you relate to yourself through that process can be really different. And if that's a journey that you want to go on of knowing for the next many decades of your life, how are you going to approach how you care for yourself really from a place of wholeness and from a place of feeling really affirmed that what you are doing is right for you. You're not being pushed around by media or visions of your mind of what bodies are supposed to look like. You're not being constantly pulled aside by health practices and wellness culture that's telling you all the things you should be doing. You can feel really aligned with what you have chosen for yourself is where you're at on your journey. And that when your awareness changes, because of new something new comes in, you'll know that you'll segue in a slightly different way and that that journey is always unfolding for you. That's awesome. Best place for people to connect to Olivia Chadwick. Where do we go, Olivia? Uh, you can go to my website, which is olivia-chadwick.com. I'm also on the Instagram at Olivia J. Chadwick. I do offer, I am offering free workshops in this particular area every two weeks throughout the year. So if you get on my Instagram, you can sign up for any of my free workshops um, or, or my coaching program. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, but I don't quite know my hand. Oh, it's Olivia Chadwick SK is my Facebook handle. <laughs> so you're too busy. You got these great socials. This is this was this was really awesome. Um, I can't thank you enough, Olivia, for coming on, podcasting your global career, and sharing all your wisdom with us today. And I just want to offer um, and wish all of God's blessings on you, your family, your children, and your business moving forward. James, you are so kind. I was so excited to meet with you because I, A, love your voice, and B, know you ask beautiful questions. And um, today was uh, no exception. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody. Thanks once again for being here on Podcasting Your Global Career. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please check out the show notes to support the people we put on this show. Also, if you're digging the show, forward it to a friend. And you can also subscribe to us in the Apple Podcasts. We would appreciate it. I'm your host, James Kevin O'Connor. So until the next time when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage. Ride on, ride on, baby, won't you take a ride with me? Ride on, ride on, we can untangle all the mystery. If wishes were windows, I'd open one and find 
Pictures in your mind I'll take you places 